Welcome to Pilates 101, the podcast where we bring you the latest and most up-to-date information on anything and everything to do with the Pilates industry to help you build your dreams and your businesses right now. Hello again, everyone. My name is Glenn Withers. I'm one of the founders of the Australian Physiotherapy and Pilates Institute, and it's my pleasure to join you again for another one of our Pilates 101 podcast. So this month, we've got a brilliant conversation happening in and around what makes the best Pilates class experience. And so we have sent out some requests to you guys to join us with your thoughts of what it is that you think makes a great Pilates class. And we were trying to look at this from multiple points of views. You're trying to look at it from the point of view of the Pilates teacher, obviously, and we're going to hear from uh, a number of you that have submitted voice uh, memos into us, which is great. Now, I haven't listened to those yet. I'm going to do this sort of as interactively as I can as we go through the podcast here together. So um, as we go through, I'm going to, uh, we're going to play the uh, comments and the voice memos and um, the messages that have been sent in to us. Um, we were sent uh, a large number, which is great. So we've sort of uh, randomized the selection that come through. The guys in the office have sent them through, but I haven't listened to them. Um, so I can give a sort of honest opinion of how they go just as we listen to them together. Um, I did, We do have a feature interview here with an, uh, a brilliant uh, Pilates teacher, physiotherapist and businesswoman, Helen Barcelona, who runs her own physiotherapy and Pilates business with her husband, Massimo. Um, she's APPI trained. She's a brilliant person. And we're um, very excited to, to share her thoughts with you, which I found um, quite profound, to be honest, uh, in, in her view of looking at, at this question. Thoroughly enjoyed our chat, and we'll play that for you all very shortly. Um, so the question at hand, what makes the best Pilates class? And what makes the best Pilates class experience? So let me answer that question now. I thought I might put my views out there first and then we'll listen to the others that come through and we can see whether my views resonate with uh, those of you guys that have submitted sample messages to us as well. Right, so for me, when I look at this, and I guess I'm looking at it from the Pilates, well, I guess from all angles, um, what I wanted to do here is say, okay, what, is a Pilates, what does it mean to a Pilates participant or enthusiast? What does it mean to a Pilates teacher? And what does it mean to a Pilates studio owner or a business owner? Um, and I guess I can probably put my hat on all three of those things. So uh, let me start from a Pilates class participant. For me, what makes a great Pilates class experience from a participant's point of view is, yes, the knowledge and the technical teaching of the teacher, but I do think a lot of it is about the atmosphere and the energy and the experience. I want to enjoy my time in class. You want to have a really uplifting feel. You want good energy in the voice. I, I don't want a monotone teacher just ticking the boxes. I want a teacher that's engaged with me in class, that's giving good feedback. I don't want you know, somebody you know, up the front on a mat doing their own Pilates class and we're just supposed to follow them along. So I think when I look at it from a class participant point of view, I am 
I am very much looking at it's the, the teacher that really does make that experience for me. And it's not just the exercises, but it's, you know, as I said, the energy of the teacher, the, the voice, a little bit of humor in there, some fun. Uh, you know, I don't want to be bored in my Pilates class. I want to be inspired and energized by the teacher. And, and so I think in, in teaching a class, we have to bring that as well. So if we go from get okay, plus class participants, what, you know, what makes a great experience um, from a Pilates class teacher? Well, here I'm going to start slightly earlier. I, I do agree with what I've just said. Thankfully, I agree with myself. Who knew? Um, but I, I do think we have to view Pilates teaching almost like a performance that we're putting on to engage and energize and inspire those in our class. I, I do believe that. But I think it happens much earlier in the process of how do you make that experience great for the people in your class. And the first thing for me is preparation, preparing for your class properly. And I don't just mean thinking about the exercises, I mean thinking about the environment. You know, anyone that's worked for me will know this, my presenters on the courses will know this, and certainly the team in head office will know this. I'm very particular about the mat setup. When I'm deep in class, I, I very I strongly believe that the mat setup should be very precise. And when I talk about that, I'm talking about thinking about how your class interacts with you as the teacher from all the elements of that class setup. Um, so when I talk about mat setup, for example, thinking about the various options, right? You can have your mat, teacher mat at the front, and then in a sort of lengthways orientation, you could have your class. Now, the problem I see with that is that people are lifting their head all the time to look at you as the teacher, and that strains the neck muscles, and that doesn't mean that the clients are working at their optimized efficiency. You could do the semicircle route, nice, good inclusivity, can create good environment. But again, everybody's in different positions in terms of what they're doing. If you all have the mats the same direction, the teacher mat, you know, what I would call a sort of sideways orientation, feet into the middle of the room. So everyone can just turn their head to look at the teacher very easily. And then when you do this setup, you again, it comes down to that planning. So when you start to change position, if you're going to go into people lying on their stomachs, you have to understand that you're going to have to bring those heads into the middle of the room. And again, that means that they can look at you very easily. They're not sort of turning to look back over their feet. So planning your mat setup, <clears throat> excuse me, planning your room or your studio setup, and then of course, planning the exercises. So for me, <clears throat> what makes a great class from a, a teaching point of view is that you really take your, your group on a journey of movement exploration through the class. So I will often, not always, but often uh, start in standing. And then I'm gonna think about um, what do I wanna achieve out of that standing? Maybe I've got five, 10 minutes and I'm going to target certain areas of the body and certain movements within that. And then I'm gonna think about my transition down onto the mat. I'm not just gonna go from standing, okay, let's get onto the mat. I wanna make that a transition so it's seamless. The whole class just flows one into another. And I do believe that, comes again down to your preparation your experience a pilates class for me a good pilates class it is is almost like the essence of what pilates is about in that the movements don't really have a start or a finish they just flow through and that includes your transitions and the way that you move your class around so i don't consider a pilates class just a number of pilates exercises that are not interlinked or interconnected that's just teaching you know 15 different Pilates exercises over a period of time. A class 
has a journey of flow that you take your your class participants on so from a teaching point of view you really have to uh, uh plan and think about that so you know from standing how um you know i will often use for example a, a roll down transition down onto the mat and so when i'm using that roll down i have to think right i'm going to take my class down into line on their stomach first heads into the middle and if i decide that i need to have my cushions set up in the right place on the mat so that i roll people down they're onto the mat the cushions are there good to go you don't have to roll down and then actually they turn back around to get their cushions from the other end of the mat everything is planned and thought of and considered and by doing that i don't have to think as much about all that other stuff and in the teaching i can really enjoy the experience and focus very much on my group and on their needs i do believe from a teaching point of view a good pilates class experience means that you get around to each and every person in your class and at some stage you give them some individualized feedback now one of the things that i use a lot in, in class teaching is when i might be giving feedback to somebody specifically i can use that as a verbal uh, verbal cue or visual imagery to the rest of the group while i'm using my hands to give tactile facilitation to that person to help them achieve their optimal movement and movement efficiency as well so uh preparation planning thought flow all of these things for me from a teaching point of view are very important coming into a class uh, i think thinking about the people in your class is is very important and engaging with them and finding out what they want from from a class is also um you know a, a good habit to come into you know i will uh, at the start of my class people come in you know i will give my my standard class sort of warning if you like about them being in control of their movements and not doing anything that they don't think is appropriate for them and then ask the question you know, anything you guys want specifically out of today's class is there anything we want to focus on now you have to be prepared that that might alter what you had planned to do but it might just allow you to focus in terms of certain number of repetitions or movements or doubling up on an exercise etc so making sure that you know your your class is prepared your room is prepared you've thought through the flow of the of the class and you've engaged with your participants to make sure that they're getting out of the class the same thing as what you were hoping to give in that class but then coming back to where i started from the class participants point of view it is my opinion that it is almost a performance teaching a pilates class you you're there to energize to inspire to fill that room and really command the people in that in that room I don't like chit chatter too much in the class. I want us focused on the movements and the teacher sets the tone in that. And I've been to a class before and you know it was almost like we were just having a conversation through the class. You know, I do feel in the class it should be the teacher's voice that's the main voice there. But you're engaged and you're energized and you're entertaining the people in your in your room at the same time as educating them because Pilates is about learning movement and learning movement efficiency. And so you don't want to just throw a whole lot of exercises at them without actually trying to educate and teach throughout that process as well. So for me that's I guess what I would consider makes a, a great pilates class on that side. Um and then I uh, I take it from the other hat and you'll hear more from Helen shortly on that side but if I look at it from a studio owner's point of view um again I'm going to come back to you know the energy the personality the person does have a large impact into the class. You know, I don't want my teachers purely following a script. I want them ensuring that they bring their own personality to it. But I guess as a business owner, 
because you know, your Pilates teachers, I think I've just answered that question. But if I look at it from a business owner, um, what do I think makes a great Pilates experience? Uh, the welcome, how you bring people in to your centers and into your classes, I think is very important. Time management and timekeeping, I think is very important in how a studio runs efficiently. So knowing your timing, starting your class on time, finishing your class at the appropriate time, that you've got the relevant time to get the changeover of one group out, next group in, cleanliness, professionalism. All of these things as a studio owner, I think are vital to ensuring that people can have the right Pilates class experience. The venue, the setup, uh, all of those elements, um, I think are very important in terms of ensuring a studio runs correctly. Uh, togetherness, trust, very important things in, in a studio. As a studio owner, I need to have a great deal of trust and confidence in my teachers that they're going to deliver in what is the ethos and the values of that particular business and company. Um, because when you're out there teaching, you are representing that studio that has given you that opportunity. And so it's important, I think, for you to understand well, what is the ethos and the value system and what is the culture of this particular studio and can I ensure that I bring my teaching to line up with uh, what people sort of view and feel of that particular center. But it can be really simple things, right? Start your classes on time, finish on time, be professional, ensure that the environments are clean um, and that people have appropriate music is another one that I think is um, essential from a studio owner. Make sure that the, the music, if you're going to use it, is thought about and thought through and presented correctly. Um, and understanding the group, you know, they like music, do they not, etc. You can't please everyone, of course. Um, so I guess as we talk over this question, it is very broad, isn't it? It is very broad. So if I was to try to summarize out my thoughts for you, uh, professionalism, energy, competencies by actually being a very, very good technical teacher, um, and preparation, the room, the flow of the movements, your transitions, and what your sort of take-home message to your class is going to be as well. Now that's my uh, two cents worth, so to speak. Uh, so I hope that some of that resonates with some of you. And we now have uh, our first contributor to the podcast to this question, what makes a great Pilates class? Um, and this is a uh, quite well-known uh, Pilates educator, uh, physiotherapist, Pilates teacher, innovator, industry leader. Um, you may recognize her, you might recognize her voice, you may recognize her name. So uh, let's hear what this person has to say. And then I will be back after we hear her message. Hello, Elisa Withers here, and I am just sending you a voice message about what I think makes a good Pilates class. So for me, it's about attention to detail and personalization. So people entering the room should enter to a song playing that's been selected specifically with the clientele in mind. So that's either an upbeat song for a high energy cardio power class or a more chilled version for a slower paced beginner or improver class. It is being able to greet people by name. 
it's knowing when there's a new client attending class for the first time. So you can make a special effort to introduce yourself and ensure that they're being orientated to the center and the studio. It's about paying attention to each person in the class, giving them the modifications, the encouragement and the empowerment that they deserve when choosing us to come to take class at. And it's leaving people with a inspirational and positive message and feeling when people leave the class with a very definite farewell. I hope to see you again in the next class. That's it. Okay, and there you go. Lisa Withers contributing to our Pilates 101 podcast. Brilliant. You know, you have a busy home life when, when you're your wife has to send you a voice message while she's out of the house trying to work because it's school holidays and the kids are going nuts. Um, But there you go. Uh, Lise, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to have your insights. And I know Plays 101 podcast community will love hearing from you. And again, it it resonates with what we're talking about here in terms of uh, that that quality. Lise is going into very specific details about setting the scene, setting the environment the ambience and and the quality in terms of that preparation there so as always enormously valuable insights and i know our community will love hearing from you thank you very much for that and so now we're going to move on to our feature interview of the podcast and it has been a delight for for me to speak to an appi graduate physiotherapist pilates teacher studio owner helen barcelona helen's a amazingly inspirational person to talk to and you'll hear that in the interview here her and her husband uh, Massimo have set up an amazing business which sits in the grounds if, I, if I'm correct here sits in the grounds of a winery and you can take tours there and it's um, a massive conversion that they've done and they finished their project just a few weeks before the pandemic hit so you can imagine what a trying time it's been for them over the last few years but she's Full of positivity. It looks like they've got a raging business happening there now, which is a real credit to the whole team there um, at uh, at Helen's workplace there. And she will talk to us more about her views on this question. Fascinating insights and really thought-provoking ideas. So please welcome Helen Barcelona to the podcast. Okay, so guys, as you've heard from the intro there, we're doing a feature this month on what makes a great Pilates class. And I am delighted here to be joined by Helen Barcelona. Helen is a APPI graduate, runs an amazing business in Dorking. Is that right? Dorking in... That's correct. Yeah, Dorking, Surrey. Dorking, Surrey. And I can relate a lot to Helen from what I understand that it's a family-run business that you have there as well, is it? That's correct. In fact, you, you're obviously, Glenn, you and Elisa have been massive inspiration for Massimo and I. I mean, this year we've been physios, uh, both of us, for 20 years. We've been married 20 years as well. But wow. it's only really in the last five to seven years that we've kind of amalgamated our services. And obviously, we've just got a new premises, a new kind of business expansion of that in the last three years when we moved in two days before the the first lockdown into our new premises. Oh my word. Oh gosh, what a challenge these last few years must have been for you guys. Absolutely. And I think being a family business as kind of is the best and worst of things, isn't it? So we've been able to 
lean on each other through tough times and homeschooling the three kids and all of that but equally you kind of give out all the stress as well because you're uh, you know you're at the helm together but yeah it's, it's there's loads of pros absolutely there is there is but uh, I can can sense the uh, camaraderieship shall we say that we must uh, we must share because the the homeschooling plus trying to run slash save businesses especially through that 2020 phase was uh not something i wish to repeat anytime soon i must say oh my gosh no and obviously um for us it really was so new we put our heart and soul into the conversion of quite a you know quite a, a new um a project here we took on a 17 uh, a barn dating from 1750 and kind of converted the whole thing with the studio and everything and we had we were so focused on getting finished getting in that and um, we were so excited about it that we got in and then suddenly obviously sort of lifted our eyes to the horizon and was like oh my god we're gonna have to be shut within the first two days of opening and we just couldn't quite mm. believe it but as I say you guys have always inspired us so we've we've kind of you know kept going and we're doing well now we've just recruited a new member of staff we're just growing the team so yeah that's good oh, we're well motoring <laughs> congratulations i'm pleased to hear it because it uh yeah many people did not make it through so you guys have done yeah. exceptionally well exceptionally well and I, i'm noticing here that you've obviously you've got this great new facility that i can see in the background there but also a flash new website and looks like lots of work's been going in behind the scenes on that as well omg yeah definitely that's been a big project it was kind of i suppose the first project out of lockdown kind of proper when we just about managed to get some of our services online obviously during that period like within the first week i think we were zooming classes which was certainly not our intention to start with and so once we kind of clawed our way out of that we immediately turned our attention to revamp the website so it's been a big job um it's been input from everybody i think we've i wouldn't say i'm any tech expert but i feel like i'm uh, i'm i'm better equipped now than and then i was and certainly mass has done a lot of the uh, a lot of the finessing of that even though someone else did do it for us that you know what these things are like it's never yeah. It's never something you're totally hands off um, with. So that's it's been many hours. But yeah, we're really proud that it represents um, a lot more of the, you know, the offerings that we have now, the kind of team feel, the community that we're creating. And that's that's really important to us. Yeah. Well, it looks great, I must say. Very clean, very fresh, very sharp, nice images. You guys have done well. Thank you very much. We're here to talk about this this question that I'm posing this month about what makes a great Pilates class. So let me ask that question of you. Your opinion, being the teacher, and you've also got sort of two two insights here for us to talk about as a, a business owner as well. That's a you know often there's a different view that what a teacher thinks is, is what a business or studio owner thinks as well. So let me start from a teacher point of view. When you're looking at it as okay, I'm the Pilates teacher and I'm teaching this class for you. What is it that makes a Pilates class a great experience? Okay, well, I mean, I was lucky to know about this question ahead of time. Not that it's a hard one to answer, but I just think there's so many different ways to answer it. I mean, obviously, as a teacher, drawing on my APPI uh, kind of uh, framework, if you like, you know, there's all the kind of 
key principles of Pilates that that you could talk about well this makes a great class the fact that it's integrated and flowing and you know has those elements of precision and breathing and concentration all of those things you could talk about that you could talk about the fact that you just want to lead a class where your clients just go out really feeling feeling fabulous you know at the end of it they just feel great but I think for me personally this it was, it was the first thing that kind of sprang to mind and it's stuck really is that it has to be person-centered so you know the client being the focus the people who are in the room and that can obviously vary wildly who turns up to whatever class you do but that has to be your focus which is or for me it has to be my focus is meeting the needs of why have these people come to this class today how are they feeling what what are their needs and how do I respond to them in this hour that I have ahead of me and I think it was um, Gandhi uh, who said, you know, there go my people, I must follow them for I'm their leader. And I that sprang to mind as well, because in the end, as, as a leader in that environment, you're the leader of the class for the hour that you have. And, and yet, really, by switching it around, by kind of sensing, maybe inquiring at the start of the class, there's lots of ways to get that feedback that you need to direct you how to how to um you know how to serve your clients better i think that's that's invaluable it not only does it build um trust in, in the client teacher relationship they they think that actually what they need is important to you i could stand there and just do a class that i feel is fabulous but that might not be meeting anyone's needs and so that that's how i'm going to answer it so it's what makes a great pilates class is meeting the needs of your clients what i'm mm. <laughs> yeah it's an interesting, interesting insight, interesting take on that as well. And you, you touched on it a little bit in your answer then, but I guess the follow-up question for me would be, so given that in each and every class, you've got multiple people who may have multiple needs or wants out of that class, and we run many different varieties of classes in terms of, you know, beginner, inter-advanced, back pain classes, yeah. rehab classes, et cetera. So for you as a teacher going into a class, how how do you assess or access what the needs of that group are? Okay, so I mean we're lucky enough to have, and I'm sure you have the same. You know, you you have a community feel to your to your business, so you're actually getting to know your clients. I mean, a lot of them begin to feel like friends very quickly, which is kind of helpful and sometimes unhelpful in the same way as a, from the business owner perspective. But actually, from the instructor perspective, that's you know that's just a wonderful privilege. You, you get to know those people over time. Maybe you've seen them in a beginner's class setting and then you've, you've been lucky enough to progress them, but maybe you've got feedback from your colleagues equally. I mean, actually, again, I'm very fortunate to have wonderful colleagues who there's none of that, oh, you know, she's my client. You know, we love to share our clients between all our classes. So actually often I'll get feedback, oh, Mrs. So-and-so is going to drop into your class today. She just prefers to not do something like, you know, and that's that's all that information is, is so helpful. Usually I will email clients, um, try and pick them up if they're new to me in my class. Certainly if they're new to the barn, they get an email anyway. But if, uh, and that's just sort of an introduction, you know, um, is there anything you'd like us to be aware of? Because we might not be doing that one-to-one assessment with every single person. If it's a more drop-in class, certainly we're encouraging people to have a one-to-one if if there are if, if there's greater need but all of these avenues allow you more more information and even if someone is just a regular but not to my class I'll still grab them for a five 
you know, minute chat just before the class, are you okay? What what styles are you familiar with? What do you, you know, and I think that's our professionalism coming through, isn't it? That's what you seek to do to be able to serve your clients better is, is to know a bit more about them. Um, I think there is that 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 also the other side of things, which is the uh, proprioceptive kind of sixth sense of a, of the Pilates instructor, where you're kind of looking and as you're doing the class, you're thinking, oh, someone's struggling with that. I'll I'll take the arms down and do it softer and kind of maybe cue that with my eyes, looking at that person a bit. You know, um, there's a lot of that that goes on, and and a lot of that that is becomes unconscious, but that is really important. Um, I think it was my dad that said you could just do your um, Pilates uh, over the like a podcast he said I wouldn't need you to stand there because you're always so verbal and I could just have it in my ears and do it yeah. and um, so I suppose that's an ideal is almost you're you're using so much feedback from your clients and communication to your clients not only verbally but by by everything you do yeah Yes, interesting. And it is in in a way, given your experience now and obviously now taking that other step in terms of running your business and then have people working for you as well, the concept of asking questions and being confident enough in, you know, asking people, you know, how are you today? What do you want? Is there any part of your body you want to work on today? Yeah. In a way that, you know, for, for people listening to this podcast might be new to taking classes it is an yeah. important part of running a good class, don't you think? Because sometimes you know, I see people go in and they're so focused on delivering the movements, they're forgetting about necessarily, as you've touched on there, the person and what they Absolutely. might be bringing to the class. Yeah, I mean, and in our business, our company is SHP Health, but I, I mean, we, we kind of had a list of values and mission statements. And I think we, we kind of realised that it condenses to one and that is about, you know, person-centred care and that is about addressing the physical, social, psychological needs of that patient now or that client. Um, in the studio environment, that's obviously more limited than maybe in a physio one-to-one um, um, arena or in the Pilates one-to-one. But still, in the studio, there's so much you can do, like you say, Glenn, to respond to that person's needs. Funnily enough, an example is this morning, the classes are a little bit quieter this time of year. There's a lot of people away, a lot of our regular well, is, away. Yeah. It just gives you, presents you with a nice little opportunity because actually I had, I think, seven in the studio rather than maybe 14 or whatever. I sort of was able to like do the whole of the style of the class as normal and then say, does anyone want to workshop anything? Does anyone want to ha- have a desire for, you know, out of these two things, what would, ever, what would the general consensus be that you wanted to work on? And even things like that, you know, you almost give yourself a headache because you, you're setting it up for three people to say one thing and somebody else to say the other. But you can, you get a sense, I think, before you ask the question of where it's going to go generally. And it does give you just the opportunity to allow a bit more of client participation in what they want to get out of the class, which is, you know, is really valuable and builds rapport um, and builds, again, a bit more of that communication bond. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. So let me ask you this then, and, and this maybe is one you haven't had in advance, so I might have to put you on the spot here. <laughs> the other thing that I've been trying to get out of, of speaking to a variety of people for this podcast is variety in classes also is important to, to give somebody a good experience. No one wants to come along and do the exact same exercises in the exact same order every time. And, you know, in in, in fact, one could argue that you're no longer exercising if that is the case because the nature of adaptation and what have you. So I want to ask you about 
small equipment. If I put you on the spot in terms of what's your favorite sort of piece of small equipment that you think brings the most sort of enjoyment or engagement into your classes? Okay, well, that's a lovely question because actually it's funny. I'm at heart, I'm not an equipment person. There's something about it. I don't know what it is. It's about like just having your body and you just think you could be anywhere, do anything, like in any environment, you'd still be able to do this full workout. So I'm kind of almost in my journey, Pilates teaching journey, I've really sort of that I've just found that in myself I often try to incorporate equipment and end up sort of abandoning it and shying away from it um it's one of those funny things that um I've just been aware of but I do bring it in precisely from what you said for variety and so I would have to say for me the piece that I keep coming back to which adds lovely variety is the the softball okay the little softball because I don't know why I feel more natural with that. And this is so dependent, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure people love the magic circle. The magic circle just doesn't work for me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, and I think the truth, the truth is I'm a mat work, you know, I'm a mat work specialist. That's I've never particularly gone down the equipment side of things in my training. So obviously my bias has been to the, you know, to the full class environment and um, that use of, you know, your body on the map, which is, which is, I just love so much, but the the ball naturally fits into that really nicely. I think you can have it under the pelvis in lying supine, you know, lying on your back with your with your um, sacrum on it. You can um, today, funnily enough, we used it in a, a little flow and to thread the needle in all fours, mm-hmm. so just under the back of the hand and threading through, and just like you say, because I feel like for a couple of weeks, maybe I haven't used it right. Let's shove that in and we'll, we'll do some different stuff with it. We did some work in standing with the ball and I feel it fits my repertoire really mo- more naturally than anything else, I guess. With with other stuff, I do have to work a little bit harder to kind of think, right, how are we going to use these? I mean, I, I use little weights regularly because trying to encourage people that little bit more loading you get a little stronger so we've kind of got weights they they also fit quite naturally into a lot of things because you're just adding a little hand weight yeah. for you know so that's nice but yeah I've got a colleague which is lovely so Becca um, and Laura who who teach um, other physios use different equipment differently so for example Becca uses a lot of the magic circle and I'm always liking dropping into her classes because it makes me work in a different way mm-hmm. and Laura uses these um like cerebandy things with handles which again I just find that I don't naturally gravitate to and I suppose that's the that's the lovely thing between getting a mix of instructors yeah. and and different styles because people have biases don't they and just like everyone else you know we, we kind of feel more natural in a in a zone so yeah, yeah that would be mine the small ball yes <laughs> good 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 answer. I have to agree with you. That's the one piece of kid I can get asked. Some people often say, you know, I get asked two questions very often. If you go in there, one piece of kid in a, in a mat class, what would it be? And, and the softball for me, because you can just use it for so much versatility. Fabulous. Oh, so I'm glad. That's good. Well, um, and it, I think the other thing is it works on Zoom because a lot of my clients who Zoom in have got a small ball or they can substitute with yeah. a cushion and like whatever. Yeah. But they don't have other things. So it's actually lockdown I think taught us that as well that (laughs) it's really nice to be very universal with what you're using you know um if you can use a cushion use a cushion yeah yeah, it did my gosh it taught us many things many things um but uh, 
Right, let me, um, uh, I won't keep you too much longer. I do appreciate this time you're giving me, but I want to ask you from sort of other hats, if you like, that you wear, because this is the other thing I'm interested in. And I'm interested in it from a participant's point of view, a teacher's point of view, and then, you know, from an, an owner's point of view, because as a studio owner, as a clinic owner, you put on a variety of classes and then you're sort of entrusting that experience to other people. It's not as much you creating that experience. So when you look at it from that point of view as an, you know, a, an owner of a studio, what in that sense do you feel is the most important thing to create that experience for a client? Well, um, Glenn, funnily enough, I mean, in preparation for this, I listened to a couple of your podcasts um, because I just wanted to see the, you know, just think I hadn't actually got round to doing it again with owning a business. There's not that much spare time at the moment with, with kids. So I hadn't actually listened to a load of them, but I did listen to a couple. And um, there was one you did, I think, about, about being a business owner and about your team and how much, you know, and it resonated very much with me because the culture here at SHP Health is one we've created of, of, you know, of trust and of absolute kind of communication with our team. And I, I, I think that is underpins everything. I couldn't kind of want a better team here at SHP, to be honest. And I hope that that is because of the kind of levels of trust and communication that we've built in right from the start. I mean, I think you know, we wouldn't take people on that, you know, were, were not right for the team. And I, th I think if you build on that strong foundation of having, you know, trust, good, honest communication, reflective practice, you know, that that really makes a difference. We, we've had a couple of things where, you know, like like things do happen in the studio and if someone almost fainted or, you know, someone felt like something wasn't wrong with their back. Being Having a culture whereby you can discuss that openly and, and it not be blamed, not be criticised, but actually be just like, okay, how do we learn from this? What's happened? How can we go forward putting in maybe a pathway or something that works? to deliver the best outcome for the client, but also for the teacher. That creates and builds that trust environment whereupon the kind of delivery of the class becomes secondary to the culture you've created within your team, within your business. And I, and then your clients are only going to benefit from that because, as I say, there's not going to be this siloed experience of coming to one teacher and getting a great experience, coming to another teacher and going, oh, that wasn't quite the same. You're, you're encouraging your clients to switch between classes to get these, you know, these different angles, this different use of equipment. And because not only do you trust the, the other teachers, but you know that they're following those, those set of values that is, you know, integrated into your whole um, company ethos. And when I listened to your podcast, I was thinking, well, yeah, you know, obviously I know you guys do that. That's, you know, why you've been so successful, but it is, you know, it was um, it was good to hear because obviously we we've done that too. So much um, of of our working life is spent, you know, is spent putting effort into that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it, I hope that that answers the question in a way. Does it answer the question? Yeah, it does. It culture? does. Yeah. Very it's a very learned answer. I'll, I'll I'll give you that, Helen. So um, you know, it really is contemplating many different aspects into that and and creating that culture and that trust is an enormous task. So I, I think it's a, a real credit to, to you and Massimo and the team that, um, you know, you're at that stage uh, as well, because that's uh, a stage not everyone gets to, even if they've been in, in this industry for a while. So, you know, kudos well, to you guys. Probably, 
<laughs> That's very kind of you, Dan. And I think probably, you know, when you've developed that over 20 years of marriage and working kind of side by side, it comes more naturally earlier on in the business sort of setup because that's that's always been the kind of people we, you know, we are and what would always have wanted to be that in our in our uh, you know our business to be a reflection of that. But I, I do think it's more pivotal than ever in a kind of complex world where you know um, people are sort of vying for your trust and there's lots of for want of a better word, you know, rubbish out there. And, you know, clients have been given very mixed messages, especially in the health and, you know, well-being industry. I think it's very, um, we really try and have that, you know, throughout the business, creating a culture of trust, of not mixed messages, of evidence-based practice, and that feeding into kind of everything we do. And hopefully then the client, you know, can trust us and know that we're not, you know, um, going to mix mix the messages at yeah. any point. Oh, yeah, well, very good. Well, see, I, I'm thinking of uh, we're going to have to touch base again, maybe with the two of you and talk about that exact concept on a different podcast, because creating culture awesome. is something that's very, very uh, important, but it is a challenging, challenging uh, aspect in, in itself. Um, well, let me look. Thank you enormously for your time. You've answered those questions brilliantly. A lot more information than uh, I thought we were going to get. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Um, before we head off, um, could I just ask you to let people know there'll be people listening to this in the Dorking area. There'll be other people listening to this that are just interested in your take on things. How do people find you, connect with you, give us your various websites, social handles, et cetera? Awesome. So on social media, which is fairly new to me, but I just about remember our uh, handle, we're at Surrey Hills Physio, um, and that's on Instagram and Facebook. Um, our website newly up has our, our proper name, which is www.shphealth.co.uk. And on that, you'll find contact form, obviously, you know, the phone number. We've got someone here on reception a lot of the time because I know it's nice to speak to people. And we're also around if you ever wanted to drop by because we're on this gorgeous vineyard, England's largest vineyard, Denver's oh, wow. wine estate. So it, and it's nice and quiet at the moment. Like a lot of people are away. So uh, it does get busy certain times of year, but actually we've got the lovely hotel next door. We've got um, Denby's has cafe and kind of lovely walking up over Ranmore and the Surrey Downs. So it's a very lovely place to be. So yeah, if you ever fancy a day out, there's lots, lots on site. You can drop by and see us. And yeah. um, thank you, Glenn, for giving us that opportunity to give us a little plug to SHP Health. Yeah. Oh, of course. No, it sounds sounds idyllic. I'm just thinking how I can offset the kids and get Lisa and I to come. Definitely, definitely. You, you and Lisa come and stay in a hotel. You can. We'll take yeah. you out for dinner. Oh gosh, that sounds <laughs> like a different anytime. lifetime for us. That would be lovely. Uh, all right. Well, look. Thank you again for your time, Helen. It's been a delight, and wish you guys all the very best. Oh, thanks a lot, Glenn. Really um, a privilege to be asked. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat there with, with Helen. Um, I, I found it fascinating. Um, I thought it was a really interesting take on the concept of uh, what makes a great Pilates class experience by her really going into the concept of the, the, the culture creation within their studio and that trust that is built up. And I, I touched on that a little bit, I guess, in my intro, but Helen really went into that um, in sort of quite a lot more focus, I, I felt, in, in hearing her talk. And I think it's interesting to hear someone um, from a sort of business ownership and a studio ownership be able to create that culture. And what 
in, um, you probably didn't hear or you wouldn't have heard because uh, just after I finished that interview with, with Helen um, and I, I closed down the, the recording and I uh, thanked her for her time, one of her, her team walked in and you know, I was able to sort of uh, ask them, you know, tell me about what it's like there. And, and they repeated almost exactly the same phrases and words and, and sense of belonging and trust that Helen was talking about. So she's really created that an, an amazing culture and building culture within a team um, really is uh, a very challenging thing to do, a learned process. I, I feel it takes a lot of energy to do that. So big kudos to them there. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that take on it from Helen. Um, we're now going to hear um, from a, a colleague of ours, again, in, in Australia. I think I think she's in a, in, a, in Australia. I think it was. She's UK-based, moved to Australia. Vicky, you're going to hear um, Vicky talk in a moment. And Vicky's got some fascinating areas that she covers. So I'm going to let you listen to Vicky Sandwells. I think it is. Vicky, I hope I've said that correctly. Um, and Vicky's going to give us an insight into her view of this question. Hi there. My name is Vicky Sandways. Um, I did all my qualifications through APPI. I'm a physiotherapist. I was UK-based. I've recently moved to Australia. I've just taken my APC exam, so I can now practice in Australia. Pre-pandemic, I was um, teaching face-to-face. And then I obviously had to go online like many of us had to. Um, I teach four classes a week. And then as the pandemic slowed down, I was still teaching online because I was in intensive care working with COVID every day. And then my husband got deployed over to Australia, so we moved there. So I now still teach online. I wake up at stupid o'clock in the morning, 4am to 6am to teach twice a week. I do four classes in total. And because of the move and because of having to transform online, I've actually um, done a lot of research within my clientele base. So I have around 45 clients a week and I really dug deep into what they like and what they don't like. And I've done surveys. I thought maybe I could pass along the sort of things that they feel works within my classes. I'm also really interested in how this podcast will go as well because I think it could be such a learning experience for all of us Pilates instructors because it can be quite a lonely world when you're doing it on your own and if you don't reach out to certain instructors it's quite a like I say lonely and it can be hard sometimes you're in a little rut on your own and it's hard to know how the times are changing. So the first thing I would probably say um, being online um, a lot of my patients have said that they find seeing instructors on social media and they're in the most incredible settings in the incredible studios beautiful backdrops they sometimes feel it's quite unrelatable they want to know how they can set up at home online pilates works and just feel that they can relate to it a little bit more. So I teach within my front room. So my clients can see me teaching in my front room. They have a good quality. I've got a really good camera, etc. But I find that that's a little bit more relatable. One thing that's always stuck with me from one of my clients saying to me a few years ago, one of the reasons I come to you is because I find you more relatable, i.e., you know, you wear normal gym clothes rather than crop tops and little and little shorts and that that for my clientele they are just joe blogs wanting to 
do some exercise and she said she found it very off-putting when she went to classes or did classes online where the instructor was just worlds apart from them so I know that some people might want that but my clients um, said that actually that's one of the big factors which I was quite shocked about also I felt when I was teaching um, face-to-face I always used to hang back after the class and my patients would always want a little natter here and there and some of them said that's really helped them in life so for instance I had a male patient who always used to hang back and he used to be so pleasant and used to chat to me and used to tell me about what's going on in his world and things he'd been up to and I felt that there was maybe something going on and he was maybe suffering from a slight mental health issue and I never dug any deeper and I just listened to him and when we went from face to face to online um, I started to notice his appearance had changed and I never said anything and I just carried on as normal and one day he contacted me and said hi um, Vicky just want to let you know that actually I'm transitioning into a female and it's because of your online classes and how you make everyone feel included I can now be myself and I now want to be known as Pippa and I'll be attending classes as Pippa dressed as Pippa and she said to me that actually my Pilates classes online were the first time that she was able to be Pippa and it was the first time I've ever had to be put in that situation and I felt I had to do a lot of learning and I was very open with her and asking what she wanted to be referred as and actually I felt really honoured that she was able to be herself through my classes first of all and from that she was then able to start going out in public a bit more and then start to tell her children so I felt really honoured so I feel what I'm trying to say is maybe just take time for your patients and talk to them and you know let them be themselves. A lot of patients that have also come to me said that they love the APPI um teaching style so they love the visual cueing and I feel that has really massively aided me going from face to face to online because the way we're taught through APPI the visual cueing allows us to be able to teach online without being there in person Um, and they've all said that's huge and also the variety in exercises Um, I've had patients before tell me that they've gone to other classes and got quite bored quite quickly but they love the variation in the APPI exercises and that being physiotherapists or some people having backgrounds in different things, we're able to modify exercises so quickly to whatever injury, whether it's anti or postnatal or anything, we're able to modify so quickly. And then that being said, I always offer um, a quick one-to-one to be able to teach them how to engage their core. And it also just gives me a chance just to understand if they have any injuries or any concerns. We can go through them then without talking in front of the class. And that has been key, I feel, through the six years of teaching. And a lot of patients have said to me that they really enjoy that one-to-one class because they feel that a lot of times they go to classes and they just start exercising during the Pilates classes and they don't understand how to engage their core. When I was teaching face-to-face and even now I try and build a community so when I was teaching face-to-face we used to hang back at say at Christmas we'd hang back for half an hour and just have some nibbles and some drinks and it'd just be half an hour just to celebrate Christmas but it got everyone together 
Um, and they used to love that. Now, because I'm online, we now do Christmas quizzes um, and everyone comes on that and they just bring some fizz and some snacks and we do a, I do a quiz with them all. And they love that they feel part of a community. Um, you know, they've been clients of mine for six years and I've had a lot of change in that time. I've gone back to study a master's. I've got married. I've moved countries. And they love being part of my story and sort of feeling included. And I enjoy that. And, you know, now I wouldn't say they're friends because there's a professional boundary. But, you know, I have a lovely little community. And then I do feel, you know, as I've said, it can be quite lonely when you're teaching and you're not working within a big team. So I feel it's really important to reach out to other instructors. So there's people I've previously worked with, people I've met along the way through PPI courses and people that I've met via social media, all instructors that I do reach out and I do ask questions and you know, try and build a bond with those people. So for instance, when we went from face to face to online, I had three or four Pilates instructors also in the same boat and we worked together to learn how to use Zoom, how to, you know, send out links and how to try and make the transition as smooth as possible. And, you know, I helped them and they helped me and I really feel that's key. And that builds a better class because you're making the best experience for your clients. And I think going as an instructor, going to other classes as well is also really key to learn. And I think continuing to do CPD is obviously the most important as well. Um, so, yeah, that in regards to my favorite bit of equipment, my clients absolutely love mat work. They say they just love doing it because they can just get their mat out or get a towel out or get onto the floor and just do, you know, some Pilates. And they they all love mat work the most out of all all the amazing equipment we can use. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Sorry for rambling, um, but yeah, I'm really intrigued to see how your podcast will go, and I'm looking forward to listening to it. Good luck, bye. Hey everyone, well you've just listened to Vicky Sandwells there, and my gosh, did Vicky cover some fascinating topics, didn't she? Um, so look, I think everyone. Um, can take a lot out of what Vicky said, and I think from, from listening to Vicky, and I, I had to listen to her, her message there a couple of times to try and really understand the messages that she was getting across. But I guess what for me, what I've taken away from what Vicky's talking about there is she's created, or, or her belief of what creates a great Pilates class is creating an environment that everyone feels welcome, no matter who they are, what they look like, who is around them and I, I think Vicky comes quite clear in her message in there that you know this, this social media beautification of what Pilates actually is is fantastic for some people and not for others and Vicky you know has, has great examples and experiences of um, not everybody um, it, it fits that mold and ensuring that when we teach Pilates we're teaching it in a way that is open and inviting and encompassing all walks of life um, is really important. And I think, you know, those, those personal touches for Vicky, she stressed were very important to, to her as well. Those little chats that she has at the end of class, you know, the, the uh, bringing everyone together for Christmas nibbles, even though you're teaching online. I think that's brilliant. I love that. And I, mean, I think people giving you that extra time, Vicky, as their teacher shows that how much they're, they're rating you and valuing their time with you because I think one of the things that we can uh, take for granted sometimes is time is so precious to everyone these days 
when people choose to give you their time after class, I think that's a, a great um, reflection on how much they enjoy your company and, and what you're giving to them and teaching them. Vicky touched on some really interesting things about online versus face-to-face classes. And I thought that was a really interesting concept as well. You know, what makes the great best Pilates class experience online versus face-to-face? That's a very individual thing. And I think going through the pandemic, uh, we were all faced with that concept of having to move on to, to online teaching and how that worked. And certainly for me, um, I found that certain teachers really adapted well to it and it just didn't suit other teachers. Um, and maybe that's the same for our Pilates class participants, right? For some people, it, it was brilliant. And for others, um, they really missed that face-to-face interaction. So many interesting, interesting thoughts and concepts there con- uh, concepts there from, from Vicky. So, uh, Vicky, I think, what I want to say to you is that you know you've been very transformative in in some of your members' uh, lives there, and that's a real credit to you. You should be very very proud of what you've been able to create and what you've been able to give to other people. So, big congratulations to you, and thank you very much for your contribution to the podcast for this month, Vicky. And again, I think before we we move on from Vicky, there, Vicky shared such a a. Let me. How do I phrase this right? Personal, pertinent, important message with us in a person transitioning through feeling comfortable within the environment that Vicky makes. And I think in this world where sort of change is happening in so many different aspects and so many different ways, the concept that somebody can gain confidence to be themselves through Pilates um, is amazing. I guess one would wish that it wouldn't need to have that medium of online to be able to make that uh, that person feel who they are. And so, you know, it would be amazing um, when we, we, if we hear from Vicky in, in the future that your particular client is back as themselves, you know, maybe in face-to-face classes again as well to, to truly make, that journey but i think the ability vicky for you to be able to share that story with us is just uh, just tremendous and I, I i commend you on creating the environment to allow somebody to feel so comfortable to not only be themselves but then you know to reach out to you and to express sort of why and how um it is so i guess in 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 summarizing up there again from Vicky's uh, contribution to the podcast which I, I think has been enormous Vicky I can't thank you enough for your contribution I really can't you know it's that sense of creating and that environment and I guess we are starting to hear a theme through here aren't we we're starting to hear that sense of of that culture and trust um, within a Pilates class which is is really interesting because I you know I imagine that a lot of the sort of messages and thoughts that we get here would be more technical in nature in a way um but i guess it it goes to the the essence that to really be a great pilates teacher it's so much more than just teaching the pilates exercises right it's about the environment it's about the trust the culture um knowing your class participants giving them confidence to share with you so um, just just brilliant vicky thank you very very much um and we now move on to Lindsay. Lindsay from evolve physiotherapy and Lindsay's going to share with us her thoughts on this question of what makes a great Pilates class. 
Hey Glenn, it's Lindsay from Evolve Pilates and Rehabilitation. Um, in terms of creating the best class experience, I really like to focus on three things. The first one is having a great variety of exercises and experiences within my classes. The second one is creating a really nice fun flow to the class. And the third one is building up a really good rapport with my clients, um, letting them know that I really understand them and their goals and any conditions that they're living with. And in doing so, you create a really nice client and therapist relationship, which I believe really leads to being able to progress our clients and help them achieve their goals. And in terms of equipment that I love to use, I only teach mat Pilates at the moment, and I really love a foam roller class. I just find there's so many um, ways that you can use this simple piece of equipment, whether it's challenging balance, stability, strength or length there's just tons of ways that you can use it i enjoy it and i think my clients do too thanks bye okay well thank you very much lindsay that's lindsay from evolve physiotherapy thank you for your contribution as well and lindsay is starting to reiterate some common themes there that we've had um throughout the podcast here again um you know fun flow that's certainly something that um i was speaking about earlier i agree with you there 100 percent, lindsay and again, this concept of trust and rapport and getting to know your clients so you give them what it is that they want out of the class. I think it shows what a caring and considerate and uh, committed uh, group of teachers that uh, we have out there. So thank you guys all very much for that. Equipment-wise, Lindsay's gone for the foam roller. You know, again, great piece of kit. Do love it. But I, I, I think... For me, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that Pilates softball that uh, I spoke of earlier, and um, I think Helen spoke over that as well. Helen Barcelona, in our key feature interview there in the podcast, uh, went for the softball as well. I think I think that was what she said. Um, but yes, so much uh, great pieces of of small equipment. Um, all all the small balls. That's one course we have, which I think is a brilliant course for any of you looking at this from a class experience point of view. If you haven't done that yet um that is a brilliant opportunity to look at the softball the massage balls and the weighted balls it's a really cool uh course that elisa designed originally that can add some brilliant variety and flow and choreography to your to your classes as well and i guess variety is also a key thing right when we talk about what makes a great pilates class or a great pilates class experience i think variety is key um and i was talking to somebody just the other other day i'm not i'm not sure exactly who but again uh talking about variety um it might have even been helen in the in the chat we had uh in that in my opinion and i'll just say this from my opinion pilates is a form of exercise movement where we're trying to teach efficiency of movement and allow people to capture their best form of movement that they can achieve so you do need variety within that because basic exercise physiology tells you if you're doing the same movements at the same speed for the same number of reps week on week on week, there's a point through adaptation that you no longer exercise at all. So you go into a Pilates class, but you're not actually exercising because your adaptation has uh, occurred completely because there's no variation within that. So just keeping that in mind as well when you're planning your classes and thinking about how you make that great Pilates class experience for your clients. And next up on the Pilates 101 podcast is one of our favorite clients at our APPI Hampstead studio, Matt Bamford. Matt's a 
been with us a long time, been through a, a number of health issues and has been uh, an absolute stalwart of a client to deal with. And so Matt's going to share his views on what he thinks makes a great session. This is more looking at it from a Pilates one-to-one type session. Um, and Matt uh, very interestingly talks about it from the point of the, the progression and the way that the session itself actually progresses. Uh, but let let me uh, allow you to listen to Matt's view on what makes a good session. I think the common misconception with Pilates is that it's non-progressive. What I enjoy about a well-structured session is that we are doing assisted exercises when those exercises are hard. The professionalism of the teacher and the um, technical equipment makes those exercises easier. But the progression is that we would work from assisted to body weight and then to resistance exercise. So a well-structured routine is helpful for rehab, posture, and progressing back into athleticism and sport post-injury. A uh, huge thank you there to Matt for his contribution. And now over to uh, another brilliant client of ours at APPI to give her view. Uh, again, looking at this one from a one-to-one uh, Pilates session is Hillary. Um, Hillary's been a long-standing client of mine and the rest of the team at APPI and uh, it's it's fascinating to hear her thoughts on what makes a great Pilates session as well. My Pilates sessions are always catered to my needs at the moment when I enter the studio and we, we discuss how I am and also um, the precision with which I'm taught is profound the Pilates sessions that I've had for many many years with APPI are an everyday part of my life and it would be very difficult to give them up because however much Pilates I can practice by myself it's just that centimetre of difference that actually makes all the difference. And as our final uh, part of the podcast here, if you like, it's sort of a open the doors and let the comments and opinions fly in. I won't comment on each and every one of these. These are to share ideas and thoughts with all of you out there in the Pilates community and the Pilates Podcast 101 community. We've got a number of my team, the APPI clinical team, that have um, answered the question for me. So you'll hear from a variety of them in these clips. Um, I've had emails in with text responses. So um, Annika from head office is going to read those out for you as well. And really just for us to share those ideas and those thoughts that have been sent in on this topic. Here you go. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. This is Annika, part of the head office team here at APPI. Um, I'm just going to read out some of the submissions we had for the podcast this month that we received via email. Listener one has said that what makes a good Pilates class? Well, in one word, fun. I ensure that no matter what type of class I'm running is that my clients have fun. We try to have different challenges within each class and I base my content around achieving goals and getting my clients to push themselves. 
no matter if someone is going to attend a one-off class or a block of 10, each session they feel like they've achieved something. Listener two has begun by saying variety. I find that my clients get better results and are more engaged when we're doing something different in each class. Whether that be changing the visual imagery I use, introduce new equipment, new exercises, new modifications or different themes to each class. Listener three has said the most important thing is the teacher. As a studio owner, I make sure that my teaching team are experienced, engaging, continuing to develop as a teacher, but are also organized. This way, even if one of our teachers has to cover another teacher's class, that our clients will be getting the best possible experience because the quality of the teacher is top notch. And finally, listener four has said that they focus on pre and post communication. In our studio, we ensure that each client has good communication prior to coming to class. We try to make our clients feel like they're being part of the process each time. We send them an automatic thank you email after each class is finished and ask them for feedback after the class. This is so we can ensure that we are meeting all our clients' needs. And as a clinic owner, I can ensure that each class has been delivered to an excellent standard. And it's just that point of going a little bit further that makes the client feel special. Hi, Glyn. It's Olga. For the great Pilates class, I will say just make it fun and tell them to relax and enjoy the class. And for my favorite equipment is a small ball. It's just really lovely, energizing that anterior sling, and it's really challenging people with squeezing, keeping their legs in a good position. Thanks, bye. Hi, my name is Sophia. And to me, a great Pilates class needs to have two key ingredients. The first one, that it needs to, somewhere within the class, have made me smile or laugh at least once. And the reason for that is because a relaxed mental state is key to our mental and physical well-being. And of course, it facilitates learning, which brings me to the next key ingredient, which is learning something new. Whether that's something, seeing something in a new perspective or maybe improving or increasing our movement literacy, whether it's an awareness of the mind, the breath or the body, all of that can lead to empowerment and ultimately freedom to be the best version of ourselves. So those are the two key ingredients to me, laughter and learn. I love the foam roller because it represents the underdog of small equipment for me. Um, this is because many people don't realize that it can be used to strengthen as well as for a lot of balance and coordination work and particularly for our core and um, stability muscles around the lower back and on top of that, it can be used for myofascial release. Uh, so this could really complement any stretching routine. So it's quite versatile in terms of uh, releasing tissues as well as engaging those harder muscles to get to. Hi, Glenn. Okay, so great lattice class for me would be when it's not boring. So when exercises is not repetitive, so there is changes, when it's personalized and also when there's a great float. For the equipment for the math class, I would vote for foam roller. Hi Glenn, Kirsty here. One of the things that I always try and do is watch how people walk in and um, you kind of get a really good sense of 
their energy, if they're tired, if they're not, anyone moving in a funny way. Always go in prepared, but always be ready to throw the plan away if you see something that actually might be better being addressed. I always think it's important to let people feel empowered, like they're part of the class and it's not just being something that's inflicted on them. So asking people if there's anything they want to work on. And I think sometimes people's responses really give you a clue to what's going on in their body. You know, if someone's told you they want to stretch something really particular, you can often start to get a sense of kind of what's going on for them. And it might be that generally, I find the things that people say, you're probably going to do anyway, because people want to work on their abs or their glutes. And most people want to get a nice stretch through their upper back. So I never find that there's too much, but I think it's really important for people to feel like it's their class. And it obviously is, um, but also that, you know, they have some input and it's listened to. And if there is anything that is brought up, that, that you're ready to address it and, and add something in to the mix for them. I like to keep it moving. I think that's really important when I go to classes. Um, I think it's really important as a teacher to always be in control. And I know that sounds like common sense, but I've certainly been in classes myself over the years where as soon as you feel like the teacher doesn't know what they're doing or they're fumbling or something, you, you start to feel like there's some onus on you as a client to, to do something or offer something. Or, And I think it's really important that clients arrive and all they think about is their bodies and how they're moving and you give them the time and the space to really address what's going on in their bodies and focus on that um, and everything else is addressed by you as a teacher and you keep the class moving you keep people moving through and you don't let them have to worry about anything else I think it's really important to have a really good balance between strength and stretch and I know in Pilates it can be quite tempting sometimes I've certainly experienced it um, in my personal practice where you go to a class and someone just thinks you want to be really hammered on your abs for 45 minutes and I think as soon as you kind of reach fatigue, you're fatigued um, and your form goes and you see all kinds of strange things happening. And I think it's, so it's really important, in my opinion, to have a really good balance of, um, you know, working people hard, really working on the strength stuff. We know that's really important, but also stretching out, giving breaks, making sure the pace is right. You know, like you don't want anyone to be bored, but equally there's a level of disengagement that comes, I think, sometimes if it's just too hard and people just feel like they can't um, engage with it. And then your final question, which was about um, a favourite piece of small equipment, mine um, has to be the softball, the small softball. Um, I think it's brilliant because it's really versatile, so I love to use it for alignment between knees or under feet to make things a bit more challenging. You know, a softball under a foot in a shoulder bridge lengthening the leg and bringing it back in um, adds a real new level of challenge but also it's so nice for um, improving or like increasing stretches so behind the back of the head um, you know slowly turning the head from one side of the other really getting into the neck and under the hand for mermaid as well when you push away so yeah if I could only choose one piece of equipment it would be the softball I hope that's helpful thanks bye hi Glenn um, what I think makes a good Pilates class is letting the clients know what muscle groups and where they should be feeling the um, exercise working and telling them if they're not feeling it in the right place or if they're feeling it in the wrong place to let me know. Um, and also I would say my favourite small piece of equipment for mat classes would be either the resistant bands or the small um, ball. 
Hey Glenn, it's Amanda. Um, I hope you are doing well. Um, I just wanted to say with regards to the Pilates classes, I think what makes a good class is really the pacing with your exercises and having a good flow. I think communication is great depending on your audience um, and I think a little bit of creativity now and again is helpful so people don't get bored of, uh, of you know the same exercises but the main um, idea is to have a good flow not over cueing a couple of good pointers um, and just good energy as well oh one more thing um, and Tactile cueing is important. Eye contact with people as well is also quite important in a class. Well, guys, I think that we've had a brilliant uh, input from a variety of sources there. I would love to hear if this podcast, if you listen to this and it inspires you to share your stories, I would love to hear more. We can share more, um, both through our members area on the website, through this podcast here that's available to everyone in the community and in other ways as much as possible. If you are looking for inspiration for classes, uh, do think about our Pilates TV subscription. It's a brilliant monthly subscription. We've got a special offer on it on at the moment um, where you can get your first three months for free um, and it makes it an, a great option. Usually it's only $12.99 a month anyway. And we've got hundreds of classes on there. I've got classes on there. Elise has got classes on there. Sarah Chambers, Mal, all of our master trainers. I've got uh, classes on there as well as our APPI presenters and people from outside of the APPI that we've invited onto the channel as well. And we're growing it and growing it. We are filming classes every week. We're committed to putting the new classes on there every month and adding into variety as well. So if you are looking for inspiration to help you achieve that ultimate Pilates class and Pilates class experience, think about signing up to APPI Pilates TV because it's a great source of ideas of inspiration and also also for you to do your own classes guys how many Pilates teachers stop actually taking class themselves so think about that as well very small investment for you to take your own classes and learn from some of our amazing international presenters and master trainers that we have on that platform for you well i hope you have enjoyed uh, the podcast this month. Um, it's been a delight for me to be able to share these ideas and thoughts and have so many different people involved in the podcast as well. So thank you very much to everyone who contributed. Thank you very much to our Pilates 101 community. And as always, to my team at APPIHQ, thank you for everything you do. Keep practicing, keep teaching, keep moving, and I will see you all. We'll see you. I will uh, hear you all, speak to you all on the next Pilates 101 podcast. Bye for now.